This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Isaiah chapter 8. We've been studying uh, Isaiah and uh, just enjoying this study. Uh, Somebody said, how long are you going to be there? I don't know, but I did write my Christmas sermon this week. So So, (laughs) we shall see, right? Amen. I had a powerful moment in the last service as people were committing their lives. And and one one particular man gave his life to Christ. And right up front here, it was amazing for our congregation to get to be a part of that. Hey, somebody got saved last service. Come on, let's rejoice. Amen. Good thing. Well, Isaiah chapter 8, verse number 1 reads like this. It says, Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll, or scroll, we would say, and write in it with, notice this, a man's pen. Now, as I was preparing for this message, as I've told you, I have like 30 or 40 message ideas out of the book of Isaiah. And as I was preparing for this message today, uh, I came to this part of the notes and and the Lord was was like, no, uh, uh, stay here. And I was like, but Lord, there's a really good sermon right down here. And he went, stay here. It's like, but Lord, he's like, stay here. And I argued for about another two days. But God's speaking to us today. Very simple. Notice this. Take thee a great roll or scroll and write in it with a what? Man's pen. Daniel chapter 5, this is the story of the hand that appears to write on the wall. And this is what I had really never paid attention to about this. But in Daniel chapter 5, verse number 5, it reads like this. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand. Interesting. Not some supernatural being, but appeared a man's hand and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand, or the man's hand, that wrote. Very interesting. Two passages of Scripture that are very specific in what they say. With an ordinary pen, we're going to write on a a, a prophetic truth. And then with a man's hand, a prophetic truth is written on the wall. So in a scroll and on the wall, we realize that these prophecies were written by the hand of an ordinary man. This is so important for us to grasp today. This ordinary uh, man's hand writes both of these prophecies. And in both of these prophecies, they basically say this, that's it. You're done. You're through. This is the end. It's a judgment has now come. And both of these times, God used these very specific instruments of a man's hand to write out the future because the man's hand became prophetic of the future. An ordinary pen in the hands of an ordinary man brought about a supernatural, extraordinary moment. Let's ask God to open this to us today. Father, today as we prepare for this word, I pray that you will speak to us. God, I know the simplicity of this message today, but I also know the truth that I have seen unroll now two times before this in our services today. Speak to us clearly, God. Change who we are and let us take seriously our role and our job in this time and in this season. Lord, let me decrease that your word might increase. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You know, recently I, I was invited, and I see the family here today, I was invited down to um, uh, Augusta for a, uh, to perform a ceremony. And as we were going to Augusta, uh, we, we knew that we were going to have to make a mad dash back, and so we, we had thought, well, what do we need to do to kind of time it out so that we can stop and, and grab something to eat? Now, I don't know about you, but when you, when you are trying to pick the right place to eat, I'm not always successful at that, but when you're trying to pick the right place to eat, I have a strategy. And so we got in the car, and, and Carl was riding with me on this, this trip, and, and Carl said, well, Pastor, where are we going to eat? And I said, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. And he said, oh, okay, where is it? I said, just trust me. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Can I interpret that for you? I don't have a clue yet where we're going to eat, but trust me, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. And the reason for that was I knew that as we were traveling along, we were, it's going to be kind of an odd time of day that we'd have to grab something right quick. I, I knew as we were traveling along that I, I knew what I was going to look for. I was going to look for a local establishment that was surrounded by cars at a time that's not traditional meal time. I just told you gold right there. You need to write that down. If you want a good meal, trust the chubby guy. Come on now, hey man. And, and listen to me. If you will look at an off time where the locals eat, you most likely are going to be happy when you leave. And so we're driving along, and I see this local establishment, and I look over, and I realize there are cars everywhere at a weird time of day. And I said to him, that's where I've been bringing you all along, right there. And so we pulled in, and I was like, Lord, please let it be some kind of good food. And it was seafood. And I said, God, you are so good to me. And we walk into this restaurant, and as we walk into this restaurant, we step in the first part, and I was like, well, Lord, you must have brought us here for a deliverance because this was the rough side of town, okay? And then they showed us on around, and, and, and it, was, it, was, it, was, it basically brought us out of the bar into the restaurant side, and, and I stepped over into the restaurant, and then there was all kind of families eating there. It was great. And the one thing I noticed immediately was the decor of the place. That was amazing. That somehow they thought it was a great idea to give everybody who visited a Sharpie. Everybody who came at some point in the history of this restaurant had been given a marker and they had, had decorated this building with whatever they felt like writing at that moment. And as I looked around this, I, I saw all kinds of things that, that, that were there. And, and, and I'm thinking, well, how does one get a Sharpie? I even said something to the, to the server. I was like, I was like, so you get to write on the wall here? And they just kind of chuckled and walked away. I was like, do you have to eat like three dozen oysters to make that a reality? Because I'm up for the challenge. But no Sharpie was offered. And so I sat there with this amazing urge to write on the wall. And as I looked around, I saw everything from someone's name to relationship statuses, which I thought, are they even still a couple? I would write something that would stay there forever. Sports team logos. I saw all kinds of things. And that's not normally who I am. I'm not a guy who writes on walls. You know, I'm not, I don't like the face walls or mark on monuments. As a matter of fact, I, I think about a quote, a quote my mom used to share when we'd walk in somewhere as children, we'd see somebody had messed up a natural landmark. She would always share that old quote, fool's names and fool's faces are often found in public places. 
And because of that quote, I've never had that urge. I think about that. Fool's names, fool's faces are found in public. It's amazing how quotes affect you. It's, it's kind of like this. Somebody will offer me a, a, a piece of gum sometimes, and I never take a piece of gum. The reason I never take a piece of gum is not that I don't like gum. It's that I had a fifth grade teacher who all year long had this picture of this slobbery cow right in front of us all year long, and these were the words upon that poster. It said these words, a gum-chewing student and a cud-chewing cow are remarkably similar somehow. And from that year on, I have never really chewed gum because of the thought it brings to my mind. And because of that thought, I've never been one to write on the wall. It's not, not who I am. But I'll just be honest with you. For some reason, I sat at that table. I wanted to write on the wall. I was like, where's my Sharpie? I was like, I'm driving all the way back down to Augusta just to write on the wall. And I'm bringing a different color Sharpie. You see, I wanted to join in because I wanted to join the party and make my mark. But then I had this weird thought. What happens if you find a spot to write on the wall? What are you going to write? What are you going to put on the wall? Because I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. I don't care how far away it is. If I put my name on the wall, one of you jokers is going to be in Augusta and go, Pastor wrote on the wall and you're going to send me a picture. I mean, that's just how it is. Or, I thought about writing about a national championship, but those things go and come. I thought, well, I know what it is. I'll write scripture on the wall. And then I realized, no, I'm just wanting to do something and trying to justify it with scripture. Oh, that's another sermon for another day. But then I realized, why was I having this urge to write on the wall? Well, let's just keep that thought in your mind for just a moment, and we'll come back around to that for a, a little while. In our text today, we have established two instances that it was an ordinary hand of an ordinary man who, with an ordinary pen that wrote two powerful prophecies that came true. Why was this important? Why the hand of a man? And this is what you need to get today. God talks to us through others. We're looking for, to hear from God, and God talks to us through ordinary people in our lives. We're looking for somebody to give us clarity, and God's trying to talk to us. I mean, if it had been a holy pen, let me just explain that to you. If it had been some pen out of the sanctuary and a holy pen, what we crazy jokers would have done is we would have made a religion out of the pen. And we would have said, anything written by this pen comes true, and whoever wills the pen, the holy pen of power, which is crazy. What if some angel had walked in instead of a man's hand appearing on the wall? We would have lost sight of the message for the messenger, which happens in far too many churches. So what is, the, what is God trying to say to us here today? Is that God calls to us through the ordinary. God's trying to talk to people through ordinary people. And I'm so thankful of this because we are desperately trying to hear from God and we're looking for some supernatural sign. I mean, this is literally the way it is. We want God. We say, God, I need to hear from you. And we know what God really wants, but God, I need to hear from you. We're looking for a lightning bolt. Because then I know. But the reality is, most of us, if we had a lightning bolt, we would say, oh, that's a sign not to go that way. Or what if God gave us, what would it be cool if when you got saved, you got a red light, uh, you know, red, yellow, and green light, that you wanted to know God's will, you could go, okay, God showed me what to do, and red would blink red, means don't, you know, and, and it's blinking red. Blah, 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 blah. Somebody would say, get in here, fix this thing, it's broken. Because we want what we want. Our warning light's going off. Well, well, I can still go that way because, because God didn't say no. 
or if the green light's going, we're like, woo, let's go because that's what I want. You see, we want to hear from God, but the reality is because we get so distorted by our own plans and our own wills, we miss hearing from God, and we don't realize that God puts ordinary people in our path so that they can talk for God to us. Many times we don't even know that. You see, you're trying to hear from God, so God puts ordinary people in your path. Ordinary people who aren't perfect. If you had to be perfect to speak for God, every pulpit in America would be empty today. But God's looking for willing vessels who will become instruments that He can use to affect the lives of those around them. Sometimes it's going to put you in places that you don't even expect. You're just, you're just trying to do ordinary things. I shared this briefly on Wednesday night. Blew my mind. The other day, I was running just in a hurry. I hadn't had time. I'd been studying for a message, and I hadn't had time for breakfast. I hadn't had lunch. It was late afternoon. So I came out, and I said, you know what? i got to get some food. I'm seeing stars. I'm feeling a little low blood sugarish. And so I come out, and I go to a restaurant, and I clearly told them, I said, look, whatever you do, you know, don't put this, this, and this. And I knew I was coming in here to minister to people, and I was like, put no onions on this, please. Because I didn't want people, like, falling out. You know what I'm saying? And so they bring me my plate after like 45 minutes of waiting, and it's full of onions. It's basically onions on a bun. And I'm like, ah! So I just said, very kindly, very nicely said, can I just pay for this? And, and, and they said, well, you haven't eaten? And I said, I said well, I've, I've got to go. I'm in a real big hurry. I've got to, to be uh, to staff meeting, and, and I've got to get some food. I'm going to have a long evening tonight. And so I, I, I take care of that, and I run out of there, and I find another restaurant. I'm like, look, I just need to get this in a hurry. And soon, as soon as they start bringing me my food... I mean, it's just an ordinary sandwich. I hear one of the servers say, ask the pastor. And I'm like, I'm, I didn't even do anything. I'm just sitting here eating an ordinary sandwich. And they're like, ask the pastor. And so before we're through, there's servers and managers all around my table. And they're wanting to know, how does one go to heaven? How does one uh, uh, know Jesus? Who gets into heaven? And they're asking me things about the gospel. And I'm just like, God loves you. Just an ordinary moment that was totally imperfect, that didn't make sense. But the reality was, God's looking to speak to people through ordinary people. When you make up your mind, I want to be a vessel that God can use. And this is important because we don't realize the power of who we are. You see, God can use what is written by man to touch man. How many times has a song ushered you into the presence of God? Or a sermon showed you something that you needed to hear right that moment? God's using ordinary people to speak extraordinary things into our lives. Pastor Don, why are you going there? Because if God uses what we write to reveal His path and His plans to others, what then should we write on the blank spaces of our lives? What should we write on those we encounter? And all around you today, there's some cards. I want you to look for those cards in the seats in front of you. And there's a blank space in the middle of it that says, writing on the wall. And if you've got a pen or whatever, I want you to take notes with us today. Because what will you write if you find a blank spot? What will you put there? Because what we write on others lasts much longer than any tattoo ever will. Now, when you start talking about writing on the lives of others and things that have been written on people's lives, normally in a sermon at this point, you start talking about all the pain that people have written on your life. People who said you would fail. The father that didn't, didn't tell you uh, good things. The mother that criticized you. The ex who walked out on you. And, and you write about all those kind of things. But today, I did not feel to do that. I felt today to talk to you about what you should write on other people's lives. Because remember, what we write is a path to the future.
And if what we write is a path to the future, then it's super important that I be careful what I write. You see, we all have marks on our life that that need to be erased. But what do we need to write on the lives of other people around us? So here it is. In the simplicity of a message. And it blows my mind. God takes a message like last week that I will preach my entire life, follows it up with a simple message like this that has been changing lives all morning. But here's the truth. Are you ready for Write this down on there. Here's what you should write on the lives of people you encounter. Here you go. You are loved. It's that simple. You are loved. And that seems so odd to some of us. Actually, I had one young man say to me, I didn't realize how often I had heard that once I heard you making this point in the sermon, how valuable it was what I had heard in my life. You see, these words, I love you or you are loved, seem so common to some of us, but the reality is they're not. We live in a world that is desperate to hear those three words. I love you. What a great day for this. As a matter of fact, what blew my mind, sitting at that table, eating my sandwich, walking, I was thinking about this sermon as I'd been preparing it that day, and I was thinking about this sermon, and I had to ask them a question, the same question I'm going to ask you right now, but I want you to listen to me because I'm going to qualify the question really briefly with you. I want you to listen to me carefully. Don't, don't impose anything on this. It is not asking about their provision for you. It is not asking about, listen to me carefully, it's not what they were trying to show you. I want to know what they said to you. I want to know how many people in this room that you would say, honestly, that on a daily or at least weekly basis, your father looked at you and said, I love you. Hold your hand up. 45%, highest percentage of the day. One service, 12 people today. Sitting in our staff meeting, 60% had not heard it. Our staff meeting. Sitting in a restaurant surrounded by people who don't know Jesus, 100% of them had never heard their father say, I love you. Now look, we can shout all we want to, but I'm going to give you something that you need right now. We all get the chance to write on somebody's wall. And you can write all the things you want. Oh, you got to write, you know, be tough. because the world. No, the world's going to make you tough enough. The world's going to pull at your heart. The, wall, the world's going to put the pain in your life. But what they need to hear from those who have the right to, write, to speak into their life, to write on the li- their life, is they need to hear these words. You are loved. Last service, right over here, one of the men in a rehab program, as I was preaching this and, and declaring that you are loved, he broke and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Why? Because those words were words he longed to hear his whole life. You're loved. And we don't think that much about them, but, we, but you've got to understand that, that people struggle with saying those words. I don't understand. Matter of fact, if you want to get out of a conversation with a man, start talking about I love you. Stand around with some man, and they're like, they're just talking your off. Look at some man, I love you. And they're like, talk, see you later, Pastor. They won't get off the phone, just start telling them how much you love them. They'll be like, a joke, Pastor, I'll, I'll call you back later. But the reality is this the reason we struggle saying, I love you, is because we didn't hear it. But that's not an excuse. If you haven't had this written upon your life, it's not an excuse for you not to write it. You need to gather your family around you. You need to call them. You need to talk to them. And you need to say, I love you. 
I had a young man sit with me. He said, I don't understand how to rationalize the two fathers that I have. I said, what do you mean the two fathers that you have? He said, the father that I had that for most of my life was an alcoholic. And, and the way that he taught us was, he was clear. He, the way that he taught us was, if you get whipped, then you better not come home until you've whipped them back. This hard mentality that he taught them, this, this, this cruelness that he taught them. He said, then he comes to War Hill and gets saved. And after he gets saved, he said, now he's crying and looking at him and tells me I love him. He said, I don't know how to rationalize these two men with each other. I said, it's not a point of rationalization. It's a choice of who you're going to emulate. Who you're going to be like. You want to be like that tough guy who didn't really have the love that he needed so he wouldn't give you the love that you needed? Or are you going to be like the guy that has received the love of a heavenly father and now it's flowing through him, trying to flow into you so your sons and their sons might know truth? Pastor Don, I need to stop sinning. Well, if you'd start loving God more and loving others more, you probably wouldn't sin as much. I'm trying to give you something today. I hadn't yelled at any congregation but you. You must be the hard-headed bunch. That just kind of came out. <laughs> Am I done? Oh, you need to know this. Those who know their father's love are overwhelmingly, statistically more likely to surrender to their heavenly father's love. Look at your spouse and learn to say, I love you. But I don't like them right now. I didn't say you had to like them. That is another sermon. But you can love them. Next thing you need to say, you need to write on the wall. Be careful, when you go with the pastor, you can go out to lunch and he gets a sermon. You have purpose. You need to say, you have purpose. Your family needs to hear that they have purpose. You see, you may have made mistakes, but you are not a mistake. You may not have been planned, but God has a plan for you. Now look, I know what this, this is like because I've, I have to live it in my own family. You know, we were, we were, you know what the rule is. If you have one child, that's enough. Two children's more than enough. Three children's insanity. And four means you'll never be invited over to anybody's house for dinner ever again. <laughs> well, we had, a, <laughs> we had, a, we had a, a girl and a boy. And so we thought, okay, that's perfect. Girl, boy, we're, we're good. We're done. We're through. And so Christina goes to the doctor and we're making plans that's not going to be a part of our life anymore. And the doctor says, that's great. Can't wait to help you with that. Just after you finish this pregnancy you have right now. <laughs> she called me. I, was, I remember that I was at Taco Bell. She said, are you sitting down? I said, should I be? She, <laughs> she said, we're going to have another baby. I said, hit me with another burrito. Come on now. <laughs> Stress eating. And I picked on my oldest child because of this last service, but the reality is when my oldest two, what they have always told my third, is you're a mistake. When they get mad, they're like, they didn't want you anyways. So what daddy's job has been is that in spite of our plans, God's purpose for you was so great that He went above and beyond to send you to this world because you have a purpose. 
It freaks me out now because now people are, oh, like, hey, Pastor Don. They're like, you're the husband to the, to the lady that preached that real good message? I'm like, I know. And then they say, and you're Jordan's dad. You see, I don't care who told you you were a mistake. God put you in this hour for a reason. And He didn't put just our children in this hour for this reason. He put our spouses beside us for a reason. Because your spouse was not put here on this planet to clean your clothes. To take out the trash. Or bring in another dollar. I think I have everybody covered there. You see, God placed them in this time and season for kingdom purpose. God chose you and He put you together for a reason. He has anointed and called your entire family. You are a righteous people, a holy priesthood. You are kings and priests on this earth, children of the Most High God. And you don't need someone beating you down. What you need to become is someone who builds others up because you get what you give and you should become a person who sees value in others. Begin to build them up. Never forget the day I walked in, and I'm not going to go into this in depth, but I looked at my wife and said, it's your turn to follow your dream. She burst into tears. And she said, a month ago, I told God I'd give up on my dream. Best investment of my life. Last thing you need to write. As I've been writing these today, it's happened several times. Several mothers and grandmothers have come and said, God just changed what I was going to write. They said, I was about to rebuke my family, but now I have three things to tell them. You are protected. You are protected. You are loved. You have purpose. And you are protected. I will do my best to provide for you, and I will do everything I can to protect you. Even as your pastor, I will preach a sermon that may not be in the normal flow of what I feel like a sermon should be on a special day like today. Because I love you. And I'm fighting for your souls. You see, that's what you do when you love someone. And you lead someone. You protect them. And you need to be in situations. If you're about to bind yourself to somebody that that won't protect you, you need to run. That was an awfully weak amen for such a good point. You need to run. When my son-in-law came to me, or son-in-law-to-be at that point came to me and said, may I marry your daughter? I knew that he was the man for my, my daughter when I, because I realized something. He was handling her care better than I was. And when I saw that, I knew I could say yes. When she would have a low blood sugar, he was more patient than me. To which I said, thank you God, let him deal with her. You see, there's power in protection. It's where you learn to say, I will never stop intervening when I see you headed down the wrong path, no matter how old you are. When you were little, I warned you and said, that's hot. I will still warn you when I see you about to, bur- to be burned, even when you don't want to hear it. You see, don't forget God speaks to us through those He has placed in our lives. And if you could trust them when you agreed with them, you should be able to trust them when you disagree with them. Because they've provided a structure of protection. Let me conclude with this today. We cannot live our lives letting others write our story. The truth is God's already written our story. 
We should stop looking for answers to our what is next in distant places, and we should start finding them in the godly lives of those who walk with us. If you've been living someone else's story where you've been trying to prove somebody else wrong because they wrote the wrong thing on your life, they wrote the wrong words on your life, stop. And you need one other thing in your life then. And this is a word that we didn't understand a lot back years ago, but we needed this, we need this word today because, watch this now, this is an important word, this is deeply spiritual, you need this in your life. Here it is, cover up. See, what I'm referring to here is a tattoo. If you've got a tattoo of an ex-wife on your arm and you wake up and your new wife is sitting there looking at that tattoo with a razor blade in her hands, you might need to cover up. Straight up. It's truth. You might need to cover up. Now that seems silly. But the reality is this. Some of you have failure written on your life and it's time for a cover-up to be put over that that says you are loved. Some of you have past failures and struggles and, and somebody wounded you and said, nobody will ever value you, but you are protected by the Most High God. His angels in Camp Ramble about you. He ordains you in your mother's womb for a purpose. And you've had the wrong thing written on your life. It's time for a cover-up. It's time. So last service, imagine this moment last service. I, I ask everybody to stand. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Stand with me now. And, and So today I want you to settle what are you going to write on other people's walls. I want you to wig some people out in your life. I want you to be like, Pastor Kev, I love you, man. What? I couldn't hear that. A little louder. Yeah, I needed to hear that. You see what I'm saying? I want, you to, I want you to learn to say those words to each other. I want you to make up your mind that you're going to become healthy you're going, because you cannot help people from an unhealthy place. That you're going to become who God's called you to be and you're going to begin to write those stories. But imagine this moment. We stand and I have people raise their hands and all these things happen. And right over here, this man begins to sob. And as he begins to sob because he's never heard those words that you are loved, he begins to sob and he says, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. At that moment, I, go, I just go down to him. He meets me here and we start praying together. The whole congregation is praying with us. And, and as I'm ministering to him, this is what the Lord spoke to me. What does the Bible say about cover-ups? They're not necessary because the blood of Jesus washes us clean and makes us holy. So if you've got a, a former lover written on your arm called addiction or anger or some kind of vile sin, or some kind of sin you thought wasn't so vile. What you need is the blood of Jesus to wash you clean and make you whole. I you to bow your heads in this place. Who's written on your life? I want to ask you a very honest question today. Who in this place, someone has written the wrong things on your life? Can I see your hand if that's you? overwhelming majority of this room you can put those down let me ask you another question 
this is going to be a little harder. Who in this place, you have written the wrong things over somebody's life. Let me see your hand. Hold it up high. Hands all over this place. You don't mean to do those things, but so many times it just happened because you're ministering from, or speaking from where you've come from in your own life. God has called us to a message of health today. Those watching, those listening, God is calling you to a better place, to a message of health and strength, to become whole in Jesus Christ. One last question. One last question. Right where you are, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm covered with all the wrong graffiti, all the scars of sin, and I may have even prayed a prayer, but I have not yet committed my life to Jesus Christ, and I want Jesus to write His name upon my heart as my Lord and Savior today. This is it. This is the point. And I want to see your hand right where you are too. Would you hold that up high? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Several points of dedication, some salvation, some rededication this this morning. Would you put those hands down for just a moment? I want to ask you to do me a favor. If you're either rededicating or giving your life to Christ, there's nobody's going to embarrass you, but I and, and it's okay. But I want to ask you to do me a favor. I want you, if that's you, to say on this day, this Father's Day, you're coming to your Heavenly Father. I want you just to come from where you are. Many of you are in the balcony. But I want you to come from where you are to this altar this morning. Would you come? Would you step forward? Some of you are going, Pastor, I, I, I just can't. I'm, I'm inviting you to take a step for the Father. Is that you? And we've had at least eight people say they want to give their life to Christ today. But I want to ask you, would you be willing to take that step out further? Come and join these that are already starting to move this way? Thank you. Are there others? And we say, I'm going to either give my life or rededicate my life to Christ. And as they're coming, I want people just to begin to meet them. Some ladies quickly meet right here. Are there others? I'm, there was at least six others who said, this is the day. I'm either rededicating or giving my life to Christ. This is it. This is my moment. This is my time. Are there others? This is that point. God's meeting people right where they are today. This is it. They're still coming from the balcony. Some are coming down from up there right now. God's meeting them right where they are. Oh, you're faithful, Lord. You're faithful, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me have you some more of you ladies that are helping pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are there others while we wait on you? I'm going to pray for everybody who responded at some point, but are there others? There's at least double this number who said, I want to... I want to give my life completely to Christ today. This is it. This is the point. This is the time. All right. We're going to pray with these today. I want these to begin to minister to these as they confess their sins faithfully to Jesus. They're going to be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Father God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Matter of fact, we're going to all pray this prayer with them yet even now as these are laying hands on them. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, that if we will confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we would be born again. 
And so today, let's pray this collectively, corporately with these that have come forward and those that have responded today. Let's pray now. Jesus, by faith, from this moment forward, I confess I am a sinner. You see my faults, the good and the bad of my life. Forgive me. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. From this moment on, all that I am belongs to you. In Jesus' name, I do confess Jesus Christ is Lord. I receive your grace, a new start, a new day, a new person. In Jesus' name, God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for those that came and have prayed that prayer as a point of rededication, those that are committing their lives wholly to you. Father, for those that are still in that point of transition, Lord, I thank you that you're going to draw them ever close to your presence. And Father, now I thank you that by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, what has been written on our life, may we wash clean by the blood of the Lamb, and may we allow you to write truth on who we are, that you love us. As the one man came up after service and had written on his paper, I am loved, I have purpose, and I am protected all because of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what you've done. Let us be people of health who write the right things on the walls of this life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.